Hi there and welcome. The First Christian Church podcast ministry features the teaching and preaching of the First Christian Church in downtown Roseburg, Oregon. Here's today's message. Oh, come let us adore him. We're concluding our series on uh, on ways to worship Christ. And so if you're new or if you're joining us, let me first say Merry Christmas. I can't believe it's here. Last night we were sitting watching um, Prancer, I think. Yeah, how many of you know Prancer? We were watching, based on your recommendation, Shirley, we watched Prancer. And uh, Libby said, I just want to open presents right now. (laughs) And I said, how dare you? Uh, but yeah, Christmas is coming. It's this week. Let me say Merry Christmas to you. Uh, we, um, we're so fortunate to have one another and to have a church family. And uh, I've been so overwhelmed the last uh, few weeks getting Christmas cards. So we put them in an archway in our home and we have a whole nother 20 or 30 to put. I love getting Christmas cards. And so all the Christmas cards, the notes, uh, the gifts, thank you so much. Uh, we pray that this week is a beautiful Sunday for you. Um, if you are watching online and maybe you're not familiar uh, with this and you kind of stumbled on our service, throughout the year we do different series, sometimes based on books of the Bible, sometimes based on different subjects. In fact, next Sunday we're going to begin a series called Six Life-Changing Prayers for 2021. I'm really excited about this series. We'll begin that next week. But today we are wrapping up our series on O Come, Let Us Adore Him. We've taken four Sundays and we've talked about the different biblical ways God asks us to worship Him. And oftentimes when we think about worship, we can assume that it's just music. And if you don't sing as well as the person next to you, Perhaps you're saying, well, worship's just not for me because I don't sing as well as someone else. How many of you are sitting next to someone who does not sing very well? Don't put your hands up. That's that's uncalled for. That's And so sometimes we can think, well, worship's not my gift. And so I'm going to let you sing. I'm going to let the people on stage sing. It's not my spiritual gift, so I'm not going to sing. And therefore we think, well, I'm not going to worship. And yeah, the Bible's very clear. There's so many different ways to honor Christ and to worship Christ. We've, uh, we've looked at four of them. The first one we looked at is uh, raising our arms, lifting our hands in worship. And the Bible over and over again encourages us to do so as a sign of victory in Christ, as a sign of surrender to him. We talked about uh, bringing our gifts to God as a form of worship. And we talked about what that could look like in our life. And then last week we talked about pouring out our hearts to God in praise. And so today, I want to talk to you about bowing your knees or kneeling before God in the act of surrender and in the act of worship. So we're going to begin in Matthew chapter 2. If you have your Bibles or your Bible app, you can join us or your notes. Matthew chapter 2, verse 10 says this, when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. We've talked about this before. They were overjoyed because for centuries they had been waiting for a Messiah, the anointed one, uh, the Christ to come and to be the Savior for our sins. And the wise men, the Magi, believed that this was the moment that Jesus was born. This was the moment we have been waiting for for generations and generations and generations. And so when the Bible says they saw the star, they were overjoyed. We continue in verse 11 and it says this. On coming to the house, 
they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. They opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. They bowed down and worshipped him. Now what's interesting is most of the time when we picture this scene, we don't know how much time has taken place between 10 and verse 11. So oftentimes when we hear the Christmas story and we think about the wise men coming to Jesus and the magi coming to Jesus, every time I think about the wise men, by the way, I think of my dad because growing up in Southern California, Christmas plays in church, dad uh, was always cast as one of the Middle East uh, wise men. Um, <laughs> And so he would grow out his beard during the holidays. But the wise, we don't know how much verse 10, verse 11. And so oftentimes we think of the wise man uh, coming to Jesus and Jesus being a baby. Now most scholars believe, in fact, uh, they mostly agree that Jesus was probably around two years old at this time. Now you think, Daniel, that's not that big of a deal. Why are you making this big, a big deal? I think there's a big difference between a baby and a two-year-old. Can we just be honest about that for a minute? It's one thing for the wise men to be there for the birth of Jesus, to say this is the Messiah, the Christ, and here he is, the baby with Mary, and and to come and bow down to a baby. But have y'all ever met a two-year-old? How many of you have raised a two-year-old? Let's put your hands up. This is a badge of honor right here, right? How many of you describe that era of their life as the terrific twos, right? No, ter- terrible twos, right? There's a reason for that. Two-year-olds are crazy, man. I, I have not had the pleasure of raising a two-year-old, but my friends tell me they'll just look at you and lie. They'll just bold-faced lie. They'll just look at you and you can ask them, hey, are, are you pooping right now? And they'll just look at you and poop right in their pants and then say no. It's a good thing they grow up, right? So when you think about the Magi and the wise men coming and worshiping and bowing down to a two-year-old, running around, two-year-old Jesus, this was the significance of the promise. This was the significance, the weight, because I imagine they would come and they would see two-year-old Jesus and say, we came to worship a two-year-old? This was supposed to be our king. This was supposed to be our savior. This was supposed to be the one that would save us from our sins, and yet they came and they bowed down and they worshiped him. I want to talk to you about what it means to kneel in the presence of God. And this message might feel a little different because for some of us, the first time we raised our hands is in the last three or four weeks when we looked at what it meant to raise our hands in worship. And so today I want you to wrap your mind around what it means to kneel in worship. What it means to kneel down in worship honor and worship and in surrender because culturally speaking most of us don't go around kneeling very often Uh, some of you kneeled when you propose some of you might kneel when you tie a shoe and some of you uh, might kneel in a group photo of some kind in a sporting event in the front row you might kneel but over and over again in God's scripture there is the encouragement for us to kneel look at Psalms chapter 95 this morning Psalms chapter 95 and verse 6 says this come 
Let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Now that word worship there, right in the middle of verse 6, there's an interesting Hebrew word that's translated for us in the English as worship, and the, and the word is uh, shakach. And uh, shakah, this word is, is used 170 times in the Bible, encouraging us to worship. And in every single time this specific Hebrew word is used, it doesn't just mean to worship, but inside this word shakah is this posture of kneeling in worship. 170 times in Scripture, we're told in this word, uh, in, this, in, in Scripture with this word, to kneel before God and worship. So I want you to think about what it means to worship in front of the holiness of God. I want you to wrap your minds around the holiness of God as we understand it. In the Exodus, Moses is having a conversation to God, and, and he says to God, God, I want to see your glory. Interesting in that conversation is God says, you can't handle it. You can't handle my glory. In other words, my holiness is so holy that if you were to see it uh, with your eyes, you would not be able to survive. In fact, in the Old Testament, no one was allowed to go into the holy of holies except for the high priest, and in that only once a year. It was believed you could not enter where they, uh, into that space because they believed that's where God dwelt, and he's so holy that we as physical beings with brokenness and sin in our heart couldn't occupy the same space as God. Actually, what they would do is when the high priest would go in, they would tie a rope around his leg. And if they heard a thump, that sounds silly, but boy, if, if the priest had any brokenness or sin in his heart that they had not repented of, the holiness of God would be too much. And yet we say the word God as a filler in between thoughts. What's incredible to me is I cannot find a single place in the Bible where God himself asks us to bow down. It's in Scripture, make no mistake, 170 times, but God himself, I couldn't find a place where he audibly actually told us to bow down. The only thing he says about it is to don't bow to anyone else. It's almost as, as if God is assuming you're going to bow. And he says, in your bowing, make sure not to bow to anything else. Because I think God assumes that when we know who he is, we'll have no other response but to come and bow down in worship and kneel before the Lord, our maker. I want us to be inspired to come and worship this morning and to come and to bow down and to kneel before the Lord, our God. What better time when we pause in the middle of the, the hustle and bustle of this week and to think about the birth of Christ, that God so loved the world that he became flesh. And so I want to share with you this morning three reasons why you might want to bow today. Reason number one, we bow our knees in pursuit. We bow our knees in pursuit. In Mark chapter 10, uh, there's an interesting story about a very rich guy. Luke describes him as a young, rich ruler. 
He had everything that everybody would think they needed, and yet he's missing something. And this is how the story goes from Mark's account. Mark 10, verse 17 says this, As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, those of you following the Christmas devotional, we covered this story, I want to say, in Luke chapter 10 or so. And one thing that I completely missed when we were reviewing it in Luke chapter 10 is the posture of the young rich ruler. Look at it again. I never recognized that the guy literally fell on his knees. He collapsed before God. He was so desperate. This is a man that had the prime, he was in a prime of his life. He had all of the material riches that he could have. He had all the influence that he had uh, that he could possibly want. And yet when he came to Jesus, he collapsed and he bowed on his knees. Some of you right now, you may be at a place like that in your life when you're not a fully committed follower of God. You celebrate Christmas and you may know who God is, but he is not the sole pursuit of your heart. You're not a fully devoted follower. And some of you, you may not even know what you believe. You're questioning if there's a God. And, and if there is a God, if there's a God, where, then where does Jesus fit in and with other religions and all these other kinds of things that distract us from the truth. And for you, I would encourage you to take a moment to kneel in pursuit. The New Testament tells us when we draw near to God, he draws near to us. This young rich ruler came and he knelt in pursuit. I would say, secondly, we should probably uh, bow our knees in repentance. Christmas is like a magnifier, isn't it? We talked about this a couple of weeks ago, that when something is good and then it also happens around Christmas, it kind of magnifies into something that's unbelievably good. But if you get a flat tire the week of Christmas, can I just tell you that's probably the worst flat tire you've ever had because you're going from here to there, you're, going, you're, you're busy, and so Christmas acts like a magnifier. Some of us might be smiling on the outside right now, but perhaps you're grieving on the inside because of a hurt that you've committed against someone. And Christmas reminds you about family, and family reminds you about this hurt. Christmas reminds you about memories, and memories reminds you about the past, and the past reminds you about this hurt. There's a powerful example of kneeling in Luke's gospel in chapter 5. Peter's a fisherman, and he's fishing all day long, and Jesus comes to him, and he says, why don't you throw the net on this side? Jesus had been teaching and preaching on the banks of the, the water, and, and Peter had just come in, had uh, started cleaning the nets, and, and Jesus approaches Peter and says, uh, not much luck, huh? Why don't, why don't you go out again? The Bible says Peter had been fishing all night. He says, why don't you fish on, on this side? Now, Peter, I would imagine, was probably think, you're a carpenter. If you want to show me how to build a table or if you want to show me how to build something, that's fine and dandy. But I'm the fisherman. You're the carpenter. I know what I'm doing, even though I'm not doing it that well right now. He goes and says, you say who you are, and so I'm going to trust you. He goes, and the, the nets, you know the story. There's so many fish that the net is breaking. 
And suddenly he looks up and he says, man, I don't think I realized who you were. Uh, Luke 5 and verse 8 says it this way. When Simon Peter saw this, the miracle, the fish breaking the nets, he, what's the next word? He fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. In an act of repentance, look at his heart. He doesn't say, oh, I worship, you're so good, give me more fish. He doesn't say, Lord, please leave me uh, or, or please stay with me. And he says, get away from me. I, I'm too much of a sinner for you to be in my presence. He bows his knees in repentance. Jesus never turns away a sinner with a repentant heart. It's the beauty of the gospel that Jesus came for everyone. Whether you're listening to this or someone in your family is hearing this or, or, or you're in a position where you say, well, Daniel, if you only knew what happened here, if you only knew what happened here, and we all could come and, and share our, our uh, embarrassing resumes, as it were, and we could all share from, from the past uh, uh, deeds of our, of our youth and our, uh, and, our, and our ignorance and our arrogance, and yet God does not ever turn away a repentant heart. Jesus never turns away someone who comes to him and says, I've fallen. Peter was falling on his knees in repentance, and Jesus responds, man, from now on, you're going to fish for men. I'm going to change your life. And, and Peter and Acts is part of a group of people that said they turn the world upside down. See, scripture, scripture teaches us that when we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us of all sins. And you might collapse and say, God, I've done something wrong. Will you forgive me? And in that moment, you will experience the grace of God, and you may want to stay on your knees for a while in worship. Boy, we bow our knees in pursuit, but we also bow our knees in repentance. In a few moments, we're going to sing uh, Oh Holy Night, which is my favorite Christmas song. And when you get past the, the verse, there's a phrase that, come on, that comes there and says, fall on your knees. The encouragement for us is to bow our knees in worship. Uh, we do so in pursuit. We do so in repentance. But I would also say we do so in submission. Maybe for the first time in your life or maybe in a particular area where you won't let go, you want to control, you're going to kneel in submission. I'm the youngest of four in my family, so I'm the baby. How many babies do we have here? Lift them up. Yep. We're not spoiled. We're well taken care of. Amen? That's right. Growing up, I was the youngest of four, and I had two older brothers. My oldest brother, Sam, is 10 years older than me. My older brother, Stephen, is seven years older than me. You do the math. When I'm four, five, and six, they're 11, 14, you know. And we used to watch wrestling every Saturday morning. 10 o'clock, it would come up, and we would watch wrestling. And, you know, as soon as you're done watching wrestling, yeah, you guys can do the math. We would then wrestle around the house, and we would stand on the, the edge of the couch, and that would be the top rope. And we would, we would fall on each other, and we'd wrestle, and we'd wrestle. Um, I was obviously, I, I, I was seven, ten years younger than my brothers, so I never won, ever. I'm not bitter. It's fine. I remember one specific time 
my brothers took it too far, just a little too far. Now, in every, every family, uh, when you're wrestling like that, there's a safe word. There's a word that says, I, I'm done. Uh, I can't do it anymore. And for some families, you cry out, uncle. Uh, for some families, you might just say, stop. Mine, it was very easy. Mine was, mommy. Because <laughs> if I ever got to that point, they knew it was over and my mom would come saving the day. I remember one time it got a little out of hand and my brother did something and I, you know, upside down, I landed on my back and for a moment I didn't move. And I, and I can, I can kind of piece together the story the best that my childhood memory is and I couldn't quite move and my brother got so scared that the next audible thing out of my mouth would be, Mommy! That he immediately hugged me and says, man, I love you. It's okay. We're not going to tell mom, right? We're not going to tell mom. It's fine. You're good. You're good, right? And he was... I miss those times. Not all of them, but some of them. Some of us are in this, this wrestling match with our own selves. And no matter how uncomfortable we get with our own will... No matter how difficult it gets, no matter what position we've put ourselves in, we are in a position where we refuse to yell, Daddy, Abba, Father. So we bow our knees in submission. What's crazy to me is to think about Jesus submitting. We don't often think about Jesus submitting. But he did. The Jesus that we celebrate, born of a virgin in a little manger, was born to die, was born to give his life. And Jesus, being God in the flesh, knew what was coming, and yet he never sinned against God. He knew the agony. The Bible says he was tempted in all points like as we are then without sin. And so everything we've ever done, that's what he became so much so that God turned away from him. And he faced the terror of dying on the cross without the presence of his father who had sustained him. And he faced that prospect. And what's interesting is in Luke 22, we get a, a peek behind what was happening. Luke 22 and verse 41, it says this, He, being Jesus, Jesus withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them. See what he did? He knelt down and prayed, Father, if you're willing Take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. He knelt down and he prayed and he did so. And he prayed a prayer of surrender. If you're willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. I'll be honest, of, the, of the, the prayer for pursuit and the prayer for repentance, the prayer of submission is what I need. I need to kneel down and, 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 and say, Father, not my will, but yours be done. It is such a great honor to pastor here. And when I get to the end of a year like this, I begin thinking about the next year. And to be honest, that happens about September. I start thinking about 
Lord, what would you have us teach in 2021? What would you have us uh, do in 2021? And, and increasingly, what 2020 has taught me is I'm going to have to trust him a whole lot more. That my plans are, are futile at best. That his ways are higher than my ways. His thoughts are higher than my thoughts. And I've had to learn in the last six months or so that I'm going to have to kneel in submission. And I'm going to have to yield to his way. Libby's mom wrote a devotional um, for Christmas, for Christmas Day. And I was reading it, and uh, the words, these specific words reminded me about Jesus submitting his will. Uh, I'm going to quote her. She says this, The story of Jesus coming as a baby in the manger is beautiful, but he came with purpose. Purpose was to save sinners. We also see that he was born in the shadow of the cross. She says he knew what was coming, but because he would redeem sinners, he looked forward to the joy of our salvation. Why would Jesus pray a prayer and kneel down in submission? Because even though in that moment he knew the, the dread that was going to come, the, the, the shame that was going to come, the pain that was going to come, the death that was coming, he knew there was a joy beyond that moment. And because of that, he yielded, he submitted. Someone said, kneeling to pray is often what gives you the strength to stand. How about it, folks? Where, where, where are you so weary in your bones that you don't have the strength to stand? Might I submit that might be the area where you need to kneel and pray? Maybe for you, a new and very worshipful, surrendered, submissive posture of worship in awe is literally to kneel down before him. Come, let us kneel before our God, our maker, and worship him, the Lord God, our maker. So, so here's the thing. I'm going to let you in on something. You ready for this? You can kneel now or you can kneel later. Well, one day you're going to kneel. You can kneel now in pursuit and in repentance and in submission or one day you'll, you'll kneel before the Lord God, our maker. Philippians 2 says it this way. He's talking about Jesus. Jesus being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even the death of the cross. That's what we just talked about, Luke, where he's uh, on the eve of the crucifixion. He, be, he, he was obedient even to the death of the cross. And because of the obedience, because of the, the, the yielding, the surrender he did, verse 9, therefore God highly exalted him to the highest place, and gave him the name that is above every name. Look at verse 10, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. Every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I don't know if this is true, but perhaps God never audibly asked us to bow in scripture because he knew we would one day. In our reasonable response, 
when we consider the holiness of God is to bow down in pursuit of him. And for those of you who have never put your trust in Christ, and maybe you're watching because someone asked you to watch today and you've never put your faith and trust in Christ, today's the day I would encourage you to kneel down in pursuit of God and say, God, if you're really out there, would you show, show yourself to me? God, if you're really real, would you make this week come alive? Would you show me the reason you were born if you are real? And if you pray that prayer, God's going to come alive in your life. Some of us, we need to kneel in repentance. And I'm telling you, there's, there's brokenness that this time of year reminds us of. I'm not talking about guilt. Guilt comes from the enemy of our soul. Uh, conviction comes from the Holy Spirit. And if the Holy Spirit is moving you towards something that says you, you, there's this area of your life and you've never repented of it, I'm encouraging you, I'm begging you, I'm pleading with you to take some time today, this week, and kneel down in repentance and claim the forgiveness that he has offered. And some of us, like I said, this is, I think, where I, I need to spend most of my time this week is to kneel down and, and pray a prayer of submission and just yield our will to his. I want to give you the chance to bow down and to worship him. Let's sing that chorus, O come let us adore him. 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 Christ the Lord, for he alone is worthy. For he alone is worthy. For he. For he alone is worthy. Christ will give him all the glory. Will give him all the glory. We'll give him all the glory. We'll give him all the glory. Christ the Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for who you are and what you've done for us. Father, I pray that this week we would kneel in pursuit of who you are. Boy, if 2020 has taught us anything, we're lost without you, Lord. I pray that we would kneel in repentance, that we would claim the righteousness of God, that we would ask for forgiveness, and that we would pray and kneel in surrender and to yield to you. For centuries, people anticipated the birth of the Messiah. And now we look back and we celebrate who he is and what he did for us on the cross and what that means for us, that we can glorify you today. I, wanna, I want you to keep your heads bowed for just a moment. And if you're watching online, I'd encourage you to do the same thing. What it allows you to do is just to have a moment of privacy between you and God the Father. Some of you recognize now you may have never knelt before God in worship before. 
And there may be an area of your life that you're trying to control and something you found yourself upside down and you're not willing to tap out. You're not willing to say, Daddy, and I'm just encouraging you to let it go. To have the courage to say, God, not my will in this area, but yours be done. Not my will in my finances, not my will in raising my kids, not my, I, I can't force it here, God, so I'm going to, I, I want to yield to your will. And for those of you who would say, you know what, there's an area I've been trying to control. And either symbolically or maybe even physically today, I choose to kneel before you. And I want to let go of my control and trust for his perfect will in my life. I kneel by faith and surrender before him. Boy, if that's you today, I just want you to breathe the, this prayer. God, I surrender. I surrender to you in this area. Father, not my will, but yours. God, I thank you that in this holy moment, you're doing a work in hearts in our church. And Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would work in us, that there would be less of us and more of you. Father, I think about Jesus in the garden, that he didn't want to physically endure the same pain and the pain of the cross, and so he surrendered, he kneeled before your perfect will. God, give us the ability to do that in our own hearts, not, what, not forcing what we want, but we kneel in surrender. With our heads bowed, there's some of us that recognize if you look at the posture of your heart symbolically, if you never knelt before God, I don't want you to miss the power of Christmas this year. That God recognized that we were separated from him and that the only way we could be forgiven is that someone would die in our place. Someone who would be a perfect sinless sacrifice. God, we thank you that you sent Jesus who was born of a virgin so that he could live the perfect life and die the perfect death for all of our imperfections, all of our sins on the cross. Father, I pray for the person who's never trusted you. I pray that they would recognize that they have an opportunity to kneel before you in pursuit of you, and that if they were to draw near to you, that you would draw near to them, that you would change their life, that you would fill it, that you would walk with them, that you would guide them, that you would direct them, and that their life would literally never be the same. Father, I pray that this week would be the week of salvation, that they wouldn't let it miss or slip by. In a few moments, we're going to take communion together, and John Mason is going to lead us. And when we do, we're going to focus on these three areas. I want to encourage you to pray and to kneel in pursuit, in repentance, and in submission. Heavenly Father, <clears throat> as the words of this next song become our prayer, we say, Come. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Would you Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. If you made a decision for Christ or would like prayer with someone from our church family, we would love to connect with you. You can message us on 
Facebook by searching Roseburg First Christian Church, or you can email us directly at roseburgfcc at gmail.com. In addition, if you're listening to this message on Apple or Spotify, we invite you to like, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast and share it on social media so others can be blessed as well. God bless you and have a beautiful day.